Today's episode of Spinecrackers is brought to you by Bookmarks. Do you ever get frustrated when you're reading a book and don't feel like trying to remember the page or chapter number you stopped on? Are you sick and tired of having to read a book all in one sitting because you're afraid if you close the book, you will lose your place and never remember the number and have to start all over again? Well, bookmarks are a perfect product for you. Bookmarks are at the cutting edge in page saving technology. Simply place the bookmark in between the pages you wish to stop on and bam, you, you will be able to leave your book and come back to it fresh without flipping through the pages and trying to remember where you stopped. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, famous president and reader of many books, once wrote, and I quote, I love my bookmark because it allows me to pick up reading again on the page that I left off on simply and easily, and it enables me to continue reading at the exact place I left off at from that exact page that I stopped on. Julius Caesar, famous Roman emperor and Stoic philosopher, once wrote, as much as I love remembering my page number as I see it as a fantastic Stoic exercise, bookmarks are really useful and I use them often. Don't be a fool and stop forgetting your page number. Buy a bookmark today by visiting www.books.com slash product page slash buy a bookmark right now and use the promo code SPINECRACKERS12849045 to save 10% on your first bookmark today. That's www.books.com slash product page slash buy a bookmark right now. Promo code SPINECRACKERS12849045 to save 10% on your first bookmark today. That's uh, the word from our sponsor. Let's get to the podcast. Thanks. Uh, big moment, really, for the show. Like, first sponsorship. I mean, I've been using bookmarks my whole life and yeah. you know it's made from one every bookmark you've ever seen is made from one manufacturer yeah so it's a huge a lot sponsor. of people a lot of people don't know that and yeah. I, I i use it all the time and i you know to be sponsored by them is just as a reader it's a huge deal so, well, so here's a huge here's, honor here's the weird thing like i actually didn't use bookmarks for a long time i was a i was really? a dog -eared. yeah i just dog-eared mm. I, I still dog-ear like for passages that i like and stuff but I used to just dog ear and like the last dog ear that I did was like where I left off. But then I would always be like, was this a passage that I liked or is this where I stopped? Yes. So yes, I would like, yes. be super fucking confused. And like, I would be like, I have to read like the previous 20 pages to figure mm -hmm. out if I like, you know what I mean? And I, would, so I, would, I would do the same thing. I would dog ear and then I wouldn't know which dog ear was the right one. And I would just throw books away. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just throw, yeah, yeah. and i'd have to buy a new one because yeah, i was just like this yeah. is ruined even if there were two dog ears i would get confused yeah. I, yeah i understand that intense level of frustration which yeah. is why it's just i don't know and you know us like we've always said from the beginning of the show it's part of the ethos of the of the pod we will never advertise anything that we don't use you know and so that's just that's just our moral <laughs> guiding light yeah. yeah but book i mean they're a great company they're really old i think they're They've been around thousands. for thousands of years. <laughs> Back so, in the day, it was just leaves. Yeah. You still find them in books sometimes, pressed in between the pages. The yeah, leaves. those are relics yeah, of, the, yeah, those of are a thousand years ago. Yeah. When, you know, so, whatever, Stephen King's It came out or whatever. So big, uh, big shout out to Bookmarks for the, for the sponsorship and, uh, if you uh you know want to support them helps the show thank you yeah 10 percent off is pretty big deal too i think they get run what 60 60 dollars yeah yeah i yeah, mean easily and, and that's like just that? for like basic you know the premium yes. ones yeah like cardstock 
Yeah. So, uh, welcome to the Spine Crackers podcast. Uh, my name is Gabe. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Matt, also another host. I am Paul, also a host. And um, we're talking about uh, books today. Mm. Uh, one book. Um, mm. And uh, yeah. yeah, that book is The Birds by Tarje Vesas. Vesas. I keep wanting to call this book The Trees because we read a book because called we Trees. Read a book, the Trees and The Birds. Mm. Just read them back to back, dude. Yeah. Yes. We've read the bees too. We did. Oh, glass. No bees. glass bees. Yeah, glass bees. <laughs> yeah. This was originally published in 1957. And I'll tell you we what, this the... book is not for the birds. It's for people because it's very good. And uh, and uh, this is the. I can I just say something off the rip here? Yeah. 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 I told for okay. Two things. Two things. First of all, um, this is the Archipelago Books reissued this. Mm-hmm. right in 2000 and whatever 2007 2020 i don't know 2016 and uh <laughs> which one what is it first archipelago books edition 2016 second printing 2020 okay thank you um and I, I i i, I appreciate <laughs> the way they do their books like it's nice the cover but this small format bullshit, I found very difficult to read and hold, and I didn't like it. Yeah, Ooh. I tend to not like deviate. I don't like deckling, and I don't like no. deviations from like. Add this to the deckling list. Don't I don't like this. Is it like a square? It looks like a square. It's it's, ca- a, it's yeah. It's like it's more square great. than like a oh. rectangle. You know, it's a square. I don't like it, and I found it annoying to read. Wow. I like the cover material and everything. Yeah, everything else is very nice, but but just make it a normal book shape. That's my um so minus 10 points from Gryffindor. Yeah. And the other thing, uh I'll just get off my chest. Not enough fucking birds in this book. There's only like not two. a lot. Yeah. There's, there's literally like only two yeah, birds yeah. in the whole book. Yeah. So <laughs> F minus. So yeah. do we really need to keep going? No, we've, we've sort of blown, <laughs> we've blown this wide open. It's seriously not enough birds. Though. Every every person asked me what I was reading for the podcast like, in the last couple of weeks, I would be like the birds, and they were like, "Oh, Hitchcock," and I was like, "Dude, no." no and they birds. were like, yeah. I, "How many bird? How many birds are in it? Like two? Well, so what far, the fuck? One? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could definitely like do a class action lawsuit against Tarye. Honestly, for false yeah. advertising. Mm-hmm. You get a also, woodcock, and then you get another bird. You don't, they don't even say what it is. I think it's it's some kind of heron or something, isn't it? it Maybe like some kind of long legged motherfucker. Question mark. Yeah. Also, just want to shout out um, um, Overwatch, uh, translated by Torbjorn. <laughs> god, god damn it! <laughs> oh god. Also in trouble for false advertising. Yeah. Translated by uh, Torbjorn Sto- Stoverund and Michael Barnes. Mm. Michael Barnes. Barnes, yeah. uh, not in Overwatch, so not mm. as good. Less, less good <laughs> translator. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, who picked this book? I, I forgot. Matt did. My guess oh, is yeah. Matt. I think it was me. Matt. Matt, what's up? Why? Uh, this is another one of those ones Norwegian, that... Norwegian author, right? Mm-hmm. This guy. Yes. Um, I think this was a uh, courtesy of Sean. Oh, he did a yes. video. He did do yeah, a, he video, did a video. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He uh he 
he talked this up. I don't, uh, and not everyone knows who Sean is. Who Sean is? Sean. Tra- at travel, <laughs> travel through stories. Sorry, stories yeah, on YouTube, attribution, yeah. uh, plug. Epic yeah. YouTube, uh, Book. short essayist, friend of the pod, Sean. The epic, he's Major been on the pod, guy. Yeah, yes. guest and yeah. So, Sean kind of talked it up, and um, you know, he's always got unique perspective, but he was really you know, laudatory on this one in particular. And then I think, uh, so it had its, what? Nothing. Laudatory. That's what I say. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably correct. Um, one of those words I read. Sean also studies like Norwegian. Ice ancient, like old Icelandic texts. Yeah. 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 I think he's getting his PhD. It was in his, his, uh, what we're trying to say is he's biased. He's biased. Yeah. I yeah. mean, probably in the strictest sense of the word, yes. Um, yeah, right? Take that. Just yeah. an, an innate interest in like all of that culture. Sort of saying, don't trust Sean. Biased reviews, biased takes. We're here to yeah. give it to you straight. We what we said not enough birds. Yeah, this is yeah. the no spin zone. <laughs> Sean's all spin. Uh, I was hoping to see like a dodo bird or like a penguin. They you know, were I, gone by then. Do- well, not penguins. What do you mean? Penguins are still here. I, do you know I'm talking about dodo birds? So uncharitable. I would have uh, taken. I, I, I would have taken a dove. Yeah, I would have taken a parakeet. Yeah. You know what? It was really missing a, a fucking cool um, bald eagle because it's like be- mm. you know America best bird. This it is the best bird. Yeah. No, the harpy eagle from Brazil. I don't know if you've seen those. They're crazy. no. I, I don't. I have not. They're or a condor, crazy. dude. Condor. Yeah. yeah. What country has the condor for its Humesville, dude? Bird. Humesville, the condor. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know your state bird? Fuck, no, I don't. Blue, blue jay. Is it? I don't think so. New York? No way. Bluebird? I think it's a bluebird. I gotta look no. mine up. New York state just burning time on the non-page. Okay, New York State bird. True. I know. We gotta we gotta hustle here. The Eastern Bluebird, Paul's right. Oh Sick. fuck! Ten That's points cr- to Hufflepuff. Huge, uh, huge ten points. It's cute. Iowa State Bird is American Goldfinch, another good bird. The Goldfinch by Donna Tart. Book. Yeah, book. Mm. Wrap it all up. There it is. All right, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, man. my my rationale was was simply that I think Leaf by Leaf also was pretty. I mean, he's praiseworthy of any book that he ever lays eyes on. But it, uh, you know, I would, I, he would, he would, you know, what book he would love and call a transcendent masterpiece. Mm. Um, the one, the bad one you made us read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the oh, the, the dark manual, dark, dark manual. manual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, look good. I, Archipelago Books uh, puts out things that seem interesting, and it seems like a really good imprint. And Shout that's out. kind. That's kind of it, you know. Um, some some trustworthy people said it was pretty fucking good, and um, looked interesting. Liked the cover. I do judge sometimes that way. And uh, yeah, that's it. I went to hey. this book cold, no cover. I didn't know what it looked like. I read it on my computer mostly. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> on the Kindle on the computer. Yeah. And uh, do you wanna do you wanna t- tell us what it's about here, Matt? So uh I mean it's a pretty it's a pretty like simple story, I think very intentionally. It's just uh there's this sort of um No pun intended. No, pun intended, actually, Ooh. yeah. Exactly. So, uh, 
there's this guy, he lives with his sister. His name is Mattis, but they call him Simple Simon in this, like, I don't know, sort of rural lakeside town that they live in. Um, he's sort of, like, developmentally challenged. He's a little... I, I, I want to talk about, like, what, it, what the yeah. like, nature of his sort of, like, affliction is. You know, the kind of, like, contemporary parlance would be, like, neurodivergent, I guess. But um doesn't seem to apply, I feel like, in certain ways to Mattis. And, uh, but anyway. We'll talk about he's it. He's a little touched. And uh, he lives with uh, his sister, Haga. And yeah. um, Mattis can't really work or do anything. And uh, their parents are both dead. And so, you know, Mattis sort of lives in this idyllic kind of world of the imagination he's unable to bring in any income so you know his sister is kind of tasked with pulling in a meager income through like knitting sweaters mm-hmm. and uh, they maintain this delicate kind of dreary balance at least for Haga um in this small in this shitty little cabin and uh it just sort of is the interior life of Mattis essentially through the whole he's, thing and he's very like uh attuned to the natural world specifically right like yeah exactly he's he's just got this uh he gets confused by like most of what people are doing or mean and he's very sensitive to all of these like signs and portents within nature and like sort of reading reading the book of nature um and there's a huge disruption where mattis takes on uh pretty much failed job as a ferryman at the lake and brings over a fake job, fake job, basically a, a make work job to get him out of uh, Haga's hair. Right. Um, and I already forgot the name of the guy. Uh, Jorgen. Uh, Jorgen. Jorgen. Right. Uh, or, is that right? I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. Jorgen. Yeah, yeah. 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 This, uh, sort of itinerant lumberjack. Jorgen, 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 Jorgen. <laughs> <laughs> you just play the Swedish Chevy, even they're not even Norwegian. <laughs> Are you singing the intro to a uh, yes? An it's an offspring song. song. Thank nice. you. Nice. Oh, whoa. yes. Thank you, Paul. Got you. Love this. You, um, and uh, Jorgen ends up kind of catch, catching feelings for Haig. Mm. It's mutual, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. They're both in their like early 40s i think um, Hega is exactly 40 and yeah and mattis, mattis is 37 like yeah oh, okay yeah that's right that's right um and uh yeah they it's like kind of a huge it just disrupts this delicate like binary that they had going on this other guy comes in and kind of imposes his will uh on mattis slightly you know i think it's all again through mattis's perspective so things are incredible like one or the other it's either like very binary thinking yeah harmonious lifestyle or it's like this completely apocalyptic moment um and uh well because he also has very like um you know like understandably underdeveloped understandings about love and sex and relationships and any sort of like you know he's got this very like pure type of horniness throughout the whole book yeah he's very <laughs> yeah. he's he's a horny in a very special way he's yeah. like post post horny it's, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like kind of beautiful he's got like pre-nut clarity yeah yeah pre-nut clarity. <laughs> that's a perfect way of putting it yeah real real um and 
I mean, really, those are like the, I mean, there's like other events and quotes that happen, but like Jorgen's kind of the precipitating event to ultimately Mattis's uh, grim end. And yes. uh, the story just sort of follows in this very gentle, minimalist way their life and Jorgen's introduction into it and then Mattis's death. We're so back. We are back. Technical you, difficulties. Slight technical difficulties. You won't notice. You won't notice. So we're just going to talk. We're going to bring it to your attention, even though you're not going to notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't uh, want to think about transitioning naturally. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you for that summary, Matt. You're welcome. Of, thank you. Of the book. Um, okay. So like the other thing I, I felt was interesting about the structure of the book is it's it's broken up into like three parts, basically. Right. Yeah. And each one is kind of like its own story it's almost like three mini novellas you know almost to me yeah like all about like the same character so like the first one is is kind of like about mattis sort of like uh looking for work and working on the farm and meeting the the sweethearts and hanging out with hega and then the second part is when he his boat gets starts sinking and he meets these like hot girls who Mm. are on vacation and he's like grappling with uh, his uh, boner, and like he thinks uh, he thinks he it. thinks it's gonna be super cool when he like rows their boat to town to show everyone like, dude, look, hero, I got all, hero I of the beach. These, yeah, I'm the hero, yeah. and I got all these hot girls with me, and that's really gonna show them all, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the final part is when Jorgen comes into the picture, uh, and they're yeah. kind of like, I don't know, like it's all just kind of like scenes from Mattis's life right like it's not really like a story per se in like that it like builds you know what I mean like it's it's just kind of like you're just waiting you're waiting for like a do you know what I'm saying like does that make sense well I mean it's a story but yeah but it's like separate like three separate ones oh and then in, in the first one we have the the bird with the wood, yeah, yeah, the wood, the woodcock, the yeah. woodcock, which I looked up and I was like, This, I cannot find anything interesting about this particular bird. I thought maybe it would have some like uh mythological meaning mm. or something, but it's just it doesn't. Like, it, I couldn't find anything. Do uh, we know if the is it true about like the way it flies? Because, like, what happens is like Mattis is very awed by the fact that like a woodcock flies over his house and it's like. I forget if it's like out of season or if it's just like not a normal flight path or something. And this, this is this. And I think this is interesting because it's sort of like the part of the point of the book is that like, we don't really Mattis sees and notices things about the natural world that escape the rest of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is part of his frustration trying to communicate these things to Haga, for example, where he's like, you have to come out. Holy fuck. There's a woodcock flying over the the, the house. And she's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> right <laughs> like, get a wow. job go yeah go yeah. to bed get a job like oh my god yeah i mean uh, it takes on this like deep significant all of these things take on this deep significance for him that, that mm-hmm. they don't which for... i think are, it's like intentionally it's supposed to be absolutely like kind yeah of, uh, i don't understand why this bird is so significant to you madness but that's i did the... want to mention though like okay. i felt like there was a catalyst at the like to the beginning of the story for sure to me is like in my mind there was like they were together for a long time just living in the house together with 
brother and sister, which I think was probably more common because I was thinking of that movie uh, Banshees, the of Benishirin. Yeah. And um, that took place in the early 1900s. And that character, uh, Colin Farrell's character is living with his sister. Mm. And I was just thinking like, did this kind of happen where people orphaned and they just like maybe didn't get married and they lived with their siblings forever? I mean, families definitely live together more in general into like later years just for like economic, especially poor families. Like yeah. The, like you know what I mean? Poor like, families. But I was thinking, I mean, what early on Mattis discovers a gray hair on his head on, on Hega's head, on Hega's head. Right. He's yeah. like, Oh, her hair's going gray. And <laughs> He's like, you're going gray. She's yeah. just like, obviously, you, like, dude. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm fucking dying and I'm taking care of you. And yeah, it's like a much more annoying and kind of grim to her. Mm-hmm. But to me that like that moment led to what the next moment he sees like the woodcock that night or that next day. And I I thought that that uh, moment of like thinking more about his mortality and their mortality together made him potentially see the woodcock in a different way too. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. think it was the woodcock that changed or anything. It was like that moment of seeing his mortality and her mortality and like realizing that they're, you know, she's 40, he's 37 and they're like, what the fuck are they doing? And then Hega has that moment too. And then the the woodcock is shot by a hunter, of course, Mm. at the end of that part. And that really drives the the point home. But I mean, like, and it's like, I don't know, it's very sad. Like the whole story is kind of like a a series of moments for Mattis where it's like, everything is going to be different from this moment on, right? Like everything, everything's going to change. Like the woodcock flying over and then the, the girls on the, on the island and then of course yeah. Jorgen, but Jorgen for the for the negative. But it's all these moments that are like deeply, you know, uh, uh, pregnant with possibility and meaning in his mind, right? Like something is different now, and everything's going to change in my life. Which is it's, and it's deeply sad. Which do, it does end up happening. I think he he believes it's going to be for the positive, for the better. Right. But until Jorgen comes. Yeah, but I, yeah, I it felt like his whatever started his belief in that happening did change the way he was living his life and the way that he spoke to other people he would you know he's very like um intuitive when it comes to other people's reactions and feelings and you know there would be passages where he would realize people were like looking at him differently or he said Mm -hmm. something differently that he wouldn't normally say Um, well he, he also makes the constant kind of like reference to uh like people talking behind his back and sort of saying like, they must, they must not realize that I have big ears. Cause I can hear them even when they're, when I'm, when they're talking behind my back, you know, mm-hmm. and he calls everyone the clever ones, right? Yeah. Every, everyone yeah. is like anyone with a sort of just neurotypical brain is the, they're just the clever ones. And they always know what to say and they're in lockstep with each other in some mystifying way to him that he can't access. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say the with the the thing like the woodcock and like it changing its flight path being like a huge sign. I mean, the question right is like did he read a sign or is life just happening to him and eventually something would have occurred that would have you know in his mind validated his reading. Like did he did he divine the future and 
in some way where he had limited sight, but he knew something was on the horizon. You know, that's always the question, it seems, with him. It's like, is he, does he have some sort of, um like, you know, traveling hermit kind of mystical ability to augur the future? Or I, I mean, does he I, just see natural events and then go like, this means that, and then whatever happens in the course of his sort of generic days kind of provides evidence for that feeling. Yeah, I mean, it, it never really occurred to me that he actually had powers. Because, uh, like, I, I feel like I feel like Vesas is, like, very um, naturalistic in his portrayal. Like, I feel like this is just meant to be kind of like a, 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 a window into the mind of a, like you say, like a neurodivergent person, like what it, what, what it sort of feels like subjectively, um, which I think he does a, a really like deeply impressive job of, of capturing and conveying. Yeah, um, definitely. But I, I never, I never got the, I never got the, the, the vibe that we were supposed to like take it seriously in the sense that there was like something supernatural going on, if that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't really yeah, I either. And I don't know. I if think... su- Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think that, like my uh, my reading experience was that his belief in thinking that something was on the horizon, something was going to change, altered his behavior and created the third act, basically. Like without him changing and without him, like you know, discovering this ferry boat job, he would have never gotten Jurgen, and like the the doom wouldn't have ever happened. So well, I think his belief like instigated the whole the whole story. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the classic like, you know, I see a sign that my life is going to be better so then I'm in like a better mood and then I'm like nicer to people and then like my life starts going better and it's like it was the sign when really it was right. just like you changed your behavior. Yeah. I think that's probably yeah, I didn't I didn't get the impression that he was actually um some sort of like you know soothsayer or whatever the the phrase would be but i mean i do know like the language right of the birds is like an old mystical concept that that. yeah kind of like that (laughs) but it's like a cross-cultural theme in a lot of like Mm. religious religious and like like just sort of like colloquial folklore and everything like all over the place um and I believe in like, you know, Norway in those regions, it was I mean, it was commonly described as like the language of the angels. And so I think the idea is that Mattis is sort of like uh some sort of he's got a sort of prelapsarian brain, like he's sort of like a, a one of the original sort of like people of Eden on one level of reading it. Mm. Like and uh yeah, the being able to understand the language of the birds is like this old concept of like knowing the language of the angels or in Norway, like being able to specifically read augers and portents and like know the future and things like that. Um, and birds were always like telling secrets in folklore about where to find treasure or, or what to like, what might happen or give you a little cheeky hint about the future. Right. So I think on another and, level, and he does when the, when the woodcock dies, he does have this moment with it where it like, 
he he's he's convinced that it was like staring into him in like this specific way and it's sort of like like dying breath before its eyes close right yeah. and this kind of like affects him deeply uh at least for a, a little while and that he, you know when he buries it he can sort of feel the bird looking at him from from its grave on the property yeah was it like a it's under the stone now or like yeah. an, an eye under the stone. The eye like under the image. stone, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's he's blind now to what might happen, I guess, mm-hmm. is the way to read that. He also does the thing where like when the bird, when the woodcock like has landed somewhere, there's all its footprints. He also reads those as kind of a text. Right, and, and he, he like, writes, writes back. back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it made me think of, uh, do you remember Dinotopia? Oh, fuck yeah. You know Dinotopia how the dino- fucking rules. You know how the dinosaur language is like their footprints mm-hmm. in different ways i was thinking that what was that show that was, it, it was, was a book show. oh yeah james gurney i believe uh, oh james gurney i follow him on youtube he's an amazing uh incredible painting water color yeah gouache painter of dinosaurs you yeah. never read dinotopia paul no no dude you would like it now i as a kid i would that i shit would was just, that shit was the juice i would i would get so mad that I couldn't live in the like big waterfall city with fucking yeah, pterodactyls dude, and same. stuff. Like I'm would, still kind of mad about it. I'm salty about it to this day, to be honest. Yes. Can't do it. I should be like, I'm in suburban New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I'm just quivering with rage that I can't go to like dinosaur land. Piss me off, dude. <laughs> fucking pisses me off now. You had, settle, you, had, you had to settle for going like, to a, happen someday. You had to yeah. settle for going to a <laughs> punk rock show in New York city. Yeah, some crust punk show in, yeah. in, New, in New Jersey, like industrial yeah. New Jersey. If I can't have dinosaurs, I'll have anarchy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> real. Yeah. That's, that's fucking real. And that's real. But so anyway, that's my read is like he's sort of a, what is the word? Like he's sort of like an Adam type figure who's like doesn't see a need to leave stasis because he's already in like a perfect state of being, at least in his own mind. But, but he's also, I, he doesn't, necessarily feel that way right like he's also very like because of uh, other people though you well, right right but he, he he's very like um concerned with how he's viewed and and what people are saying about him and like uh you know like i, I mean importantly with the like adam and eve connection he's deeply terrified of sexuality and like nakedness yeah um which is the opposite of how adam and eve are characterized right so but so like i mean i think there's like a tension or an interplay here i think between sort of like that state of man and the influence of you know well being jokerified and living in a society yeah i mean but that's kind of right like he's he's being tempted it seems almost by the devil like he's society is trying to get him to whatever he's he's uh harvesting and like turnips in the first third he's playing he's playing animal crossing he's playing animal crossing irl yeah and uh and he's bad at it very bad at it very bad at animal crossing it seems almost impossible to be as bad as he is at at trying to harvest turnips but i like his thought process because it's like funny he's like he's just like in a field pulling turnips out in rows and he's just like but he's not even supposed to be pulling the turnips. He's supposed to be pulling the weeds, and he's just yeah. pulling up the turnips. Yeah, <laughs> he like he goes for like a little bit of a, a, a little while, and he think he's like, you know, on par with the romantic couple and the farmer, 
but then he's like looks at his hands like they're not working and he's like oh i i am pulling up the turnips oh my god they're over the hill and they're gone already what the hell happened but i like when he's just like eventually he's just getting fed up and he's they're so far ahead of him and he's just like looking at all the turnips he's like why do we need this many turnips? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. questioning that, like some of these notions of like work, which to me is still a fair question. He's and then like, he just fall, and then he just goes to sleep. <laughs> he's yeah. like, I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> but yeah, that was like, uh, was that the? Yeah, he had a couple interactions with different women in that scene. He he was trying to like weirdly flirt with the. Uh, the young girl and the couple with the guy the sweethearts the sweethearts and yeah there's a lot of fixation on him on like female attention for towards him in like any way he's like kind of always thirsty for just some sort of like direct insight or someone to just be connecting with him or giving him the time of day even and that happens like yeah. a couple times throughout the book. It happens like in, with the farmer's wife just like talking to him, and and he's just like, "Oh, you're you're clever, and you're you might like me or something." Well, it's again, it's just, like that. Yeah. It's that it's, it's that mentality he has where both in in positive and negative ways, every word, every behavior towards him is magnified by like a thousand, right? Yeah. Like, the smallest act of kindness, like you, you want a cup of coffee. He's like, holy fuck. I'm going to remember this until the day I die. Like this, <laughs> yeah, is, the, yeah. this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and then like, you know, also the, on the negative side, like someone is says some tiny thing like Haga, for example. And he's like, she's leaving me. It's over. I'm going to be alone in the world forever. And, and my life is <laughs> fucked. Right. Like, yeah. Right. That even happens between like when, he, when he's on the Island with the two like vacationing girls where I forget what he says. Oh no. All he says was, um, I think he just says their names. He just keeps saying their names over and over again. And there's, yeah, he says them and they like, and he like looks at them and he realizes that he said their name in a perfect way. And they're, they like loved how he had, um, just said everything he needed to say by just saying their names. And it's, then a he rare says case, it again. it's a rare case where they're vibing with it. Like they, they get are it. vibing. They're, they're, then he, had, kind of, he has Riz in that situation. He does, he does but have he immediately panics and says their names again. And That's they creepy. instantly are like, you're fucking weird. Yeah. And then but like, but they but they 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 keep it up though. They don't they never no, no, turn yeah, yeah. they never turn on him. No, they I don't. think they it's implied that they kind of know the situation. Yeah. Or uh, they, they yeah, they they, come they, to... they suss it out after a while. They're kind of Chad. I thought they were Chad. Gryffindor. They're nice. They're nice girls. Anna uh, and Anna and Inger. What? Girls yeah. can't be Chad Man? Is that what you, what do you mean? No, I'm not. I was just, just I was just bolstering with it phrasing it differently. Wow, dude. <laughs> but oh, I'm sorry. So sorry. <laughs> Delete this. No. Uh <laughs> Delete this. Bleep when I said no. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it goes back to again to the sort of Adam to me parallel of like the naming of something being like a hugely significant thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, he, it's almost like he creates the thing by just uttering it. Like when right. he, he, at the very beginning, he says, he says, Haga is like lightning and he gets all like, Ooh, and like shivery because he's so afraid. That's of one lightning. of his major phobias. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is really cute. It's like, Oh, the, like the uh, someone says there's going to be a storm later and he like runs back home 
Yeah. Yeah, he, he has to go under work. his little bed thing. No, yeah. he goes into he goes into the outhouse. Yeah, he has various <laughs> shelters in yeah. his yeah. outhouse. <laughs> yeah. But so it means so much to call Hega lightning because it's like a it's like a sublime natural force. Yeah. And uh you know that that, that to me that speaks back to like that Adam thing where he's like well, so so I mean I want to talk about their their relationship uh, a bit but but maybe for the sake of just like clarity should we just talk about how the book ends so everyone's on the same page sure sure D- do it me okay yes sir you were setting it up for yourself and you were going to do that yeah I thought you were teeing yourself off just playing ping pong over here all right um basically he kills himself he doesn't mean it, it, to he's it, not committing in a, in suicide a, but... no but like jorgen and hega are in this relationship and he's becoming increasingly distraught that like he's gonna be left alone right right so he tries and, to preempt it so he tries to preempt it by sort of like you know the cl- it's it's just the classic sad boy high school move like i'm gonna do something really drastic and and dramatic to try to like convince to try to like remind you of how important i am to you in your life and so he like on purpose takes out this boat that he knows is not going to float puts his foot through the bottom and the boat starts to sink but you know he plans it and he makes these new oars that he thinks he can float on for long enough to survive and basically right. like basically trying to scare Hega into you know into sort of remembering how important he is in her life and uh it goes wrong and and presumably he's sort of like there's a storm that comes up and he sort of is left alone in the in the lake uh and you know he presumably drowns cuz he doesn't know how to swim um yeah which is another thing that i i keep thinking back to the the banshees movie because that kind of happens with a similar character remember really Paul Paul Farrell's? no not Colin Farrell's the younger kid oh oh the yeah the uh, yeah the sort he of like up, he's also sort of mentally challenged and uh and he goes after a sister and she rejects him right which doesn't really happen here but there are what do you what did you guys did you guys think there was any some any sort of like incestuous tones at all or am I just a perverted man and read into innocent? You're lines? just a disgusting brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I I could see where that might be a read, but I I really didn't catch a whiff of that. No, really. I didn't either. Really, I mean, okay. obviously, obviously, it's kind of like floating for him because, like, there are moments, there are like tender moments for them. Where he like has to go into her room and sleep with her in the bed, and she like mm-hmm. rubs her hand against his face, and and it's like he, it's meaningful to him. But I didn't necessarily get that it was like that way. Sexual, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it was just like a, a his desire to have like attention from women, and that his his sister is a woman, and you know, it's just like the, the man's sexual, horny. The man's horny. He's like, I assume yeah. he is a virgin and has never yeah. even kissed a woman yeah. on, on the lips. Yeah, right. Um, Which is why when they brush his hand accidentally and stuff, he's like, tre- tre- he's like, I'll never wash this hand. You know, he's well, like tre- yeah, tre- yeah. Tre- treasuring that memory. Classic, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or or look at him from across the turnip rows. Yeah, smile. That that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like changing the whole tenor of his day. Classic, just like yeah 
13 12 year old mentality like oh this is my wife now like she smiled at me <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. this is my girlfriend oh when's my girlfriend we're gonna be married forever <laughs> i think we're in love i think we just had it we just had a kid just now yeah, well and he yeah. but 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 the, the interesting tension is like he's he's horned up but he, he also is like i'm not allowed to even think about girls on the weekend or whatever yeah. or right like it's like oh or, or on the week i forget which it is or maybe yeah, it's during the work on, week, during the work week, whatever it is. Yeah. Like he asked Jorgen at one point if it's OK. Have you ever thought about do. a woman? Yeah. Because J- Jorgen, speaking of him, he's. Again, like I, I w- one of the things I really liked about the book was. It's entirely Madison's uh, viewpoints and perspective, yeah. but like you can f- read between the lines heavily enough. To still get that sense of like what other people might be thinking without him writing it explicitly. Like, so you get this oblique characterization of everyone else who mm-hmm. otherwise are really thin or not everybody, you know, but like, they're pretty thinly drawn. Like you, you're just not in the interior of anyone else. So, right. Like yeah. you see, it's pretty much just through dialogue. With yeah. The like other you, characters. you can feel the entirety of Haga's life and frustration through Mattis's perspective. You can see the ways in which, even uh, Jorgen is like fatherly and kind of patient with him, right? In a lot yeah. of ways, Jorgen you know? tries like, to he tries to teach him how to l- do lumberjack stuff. Like he's not and, a bad guy, and he no. Well, I have he's not some, great. He has. I some, have some like, thoughts about this actually, but oh, cool. Okay, but before you do that, I did want to say like I think Sean mentioned it in his video too, but I I think that uh there was a really elegant and beautiful simplicity to the writing where yeah I, for I, sure. you it was actually when in the first couple of pages i was like is this just like translated poorly like what am i reading exactly because it it seems so like stripped down but as you know as i continued reading i just realized it um what's the what's the author's name charles charles he he just has a really amazing ability to say so much with so little. And like you were saying that just like you read in between the lines and you could like, I just like felt the characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just felt them. And, and yeah, just on that point, like I, it's, it's, I found it to be hard. Like normally I, uh, when I am reading a book, like for the show or just in general, like I I'm very, I've talked about this before. I'm very underlining. I'm very highlighty. And I, I didn't, underline anything really in this book like not but because the writing just kind of like flows yeah through you in that way like it's not like there's not like oh this passage is brilliant or that passage is is evocative it's just like so effortless you You know what i mean (laughs) it feels like yeah i sean Sean made a like just a, a point, an interesting historical point. I I don't remember the name of it, but there's like a colloquial Norwegian, right? Versus like the higher, kind of fancy, I guess Norwegian, which is that, what most literature is written in, right? Right. That Vesas like very pointedly writes in. He writes uh, in the other one, right? The simpler one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so I don't know if that's also part of it. You know, like the translation. I've no I have no method of judging the quality of the translation but like Yeah, of course. I just know that that's true that I did underline one thing. You want me to read it? Please. Yeah. Um this was early on when I he 
Mattis first sees the woodcock and like mm-hmm. goes to Hega. Um, but later that evening, Hega Hega said she would come and see the, see his woodcock, and he took that he took this as her way of rewarding him for the unpleasant and difficult day he had spent working. So this was, I think this was after the turnips. He had come to regard the woodcock as almost his own creation. Hego followed him outside. It's a good thing that you uh, came to your senses, he said. Outside, it was quiet, just the right weather. Mattis looked eagerly in every direction and listened, full of expectation. The bird came, bringing with it all those things for which there were no words. Hega felt it too. A flash, a flash, a touch of the wing inside you, and it was gone again. Mm. I thought that was really poetic. It was kind of beautiful. Yeah, I mean, there are like really beautiful passages and and you know, like descriptions of of Mattis's experience of the world. And it's, you know, but it's just very like it's all very subdued and 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 quiet, I guess, you know, like yeah. I mean, here's here's one that I did highlight. This is sort of at the at the end of a, a chapter. Uh, and the chapters are also very short, which I found to be kind of interesting. There's like 50 of them and they're all kind of like five, six pages. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think there's like whatever, how many, 40, 47 chapters. Uh, so like very sort of quickly paced in, in that way, I suppose. Um, and I, I forget the exact context, but I think this is where he is like going to to try to find uh some work um but he just he, he's not finding any this is like during haymaking season right this is at the beginning of part two when he, before he goes to the island and meets the hot girls <laughs> um but it's just uh so this is right before chapter 19 and it just says um you know he's like yeah i've done my i, I went out and looked for work and blah, blah blah and then it just like breaks and it says now it is night what can you do when everyone around you is strong and clever we'll never know but then what can you do? You have to do something even then, all the time. There's a streak across this house. The bird has been shot and has closed his eyes and is covered by a stone, but the streak remains. But what can you do? What can you do about Haga? There's something wrong with her. We'll never know. But there's a gentle whisper outside now, anyway. And I just like, again, just like so many of those like quiet little internal moments with him in his own kind of like thought process that's like, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like uh it is a weird way to put it, but it's like magical realism by way of like mental illness. Like it's like describing <laughs> someone. Yeah, like, that's a great like point. Yeah, describing describing someone who doesn't experience the world in the way that we do at all to, to the point that it's like to us magical in a way. Yeah. I small point, but um I was also thinking uh just Haga's name. Do you guys remember uh it was big for a while? You know the word I think it's Higa or Huga. Yeah, it was just like oh yeah, we like have a we have a board game Ikea. called like the Higa game with so a I, Y. I feel like that's very intentionally used as like a what a not a homonym but like a whatever yeah, homophone, homophone something like that something yeah. similar to evoke that because it, it's a it says it's a Danish and Norwegian word that describes a mood of coziness and comfortable conviviality with feelings of wellness and contentment. They probably don't sound the same at all in the actual language. I, mean, I, wonder, I wonder. I could. This could just be my like tone deaf ear, but like I was. They're like you, idiot some... Americans, dude. It's Hega and Higa. <laughs> yeah. Huga. Uh, <laughs> That's how he feels when he sees the hot girls on the island. Yeah. yeah. He's the Tex Avery wolf. Yeah. Pounding the table. Um. But a shame. Anyway, 
I wonder if that's a connection. I that no, could that's just interesting. Be not fucking hearing. Oh it, my god, I couldn't find my vape juice anywhere. It was right behind this can of Spindrift. Idiot. We love to see it. Just a little life update by me. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. So that was uh, it. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, even though we have that game, there's like a game based on it. Uh, yeah, it like, was like it was like before Mary Kondo. That was like yes, the sort exactly. of like homemaker ethos for a while. <laughs> right. Um. So what do you? I I I I was thinking about because we've been talking a lot about how Mattis is like overinterprets or misinterprets other people in general and their behavior mm-hmm. and and their words and their actions. Do you think he was right to be as scared as he was about Jorgen and Hega just like straight up like ditching him? Do you think that was actually their plan? Cuz I'm no. not cuz I'm not I don't think it was. Why don't you think it was? Do you think it was in the cards cuz I thought it was certainly in the cards. I mean like Hega was like borderline suicidal and just like totally lost in her life. She just turned 40. She just got a gray hair. She seemed to like take a turn within the story that we read, you know? Yeah. But it was and... a positive one, which scares Mattis in this interesting way. Right. Like he's, he, and she asks him a number of times, she's like, can't you just be happy for me? Right. Like, can't you be happy for me that I'm like finally finding some happiness? And of course he, he can't really. Cause it's he's sort of like and you know maybe we'll have to save it for the patreon segment where we actually diagnose mattis's mental illness yeah well, but, I thought that we will come up too, with a full diagnosis yeah i think that like echoed a really great and sad scene from earlier where like mattis was just kind of pleading with hega like can you just be happy with me yeah right and well he, really, he like, also he also does the classic uh the classic like, the classic fucking like uh 17 year old whose girlfriend is hanging having too many girls nights it's like it's either them or me you have to choose like you have to either it's either it's either fucking jorgen or me you have to pick and then she's and then she doesn't really answer and then but he takes it as like it jorgen and he's like fine i'm gonna kill myself (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's i'm I'm oversimplifying so you know but he's like christian goth He's like well, goth- gothic Adam if if Eve had another suitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I it's she was hanging out with a snake too much too long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't know too. what's going on there, dude. Yeah. Uh I don't think it was their plan. I think what they were like dancing around was the far in the future notion that they might train or find some employment through either the like for him to be you know, self-sufficient lumberjack or whatever like they, they had some sort of long-term plan to try and get him out yeah but i don't think it was like this imminent like any moment he'll be just cast into the forest right thing because they're they're normal people like Hega loves mattis and like you know they, he might be annoying and a burden but uh i don't think it was that gonna be that brutal so i think he i think he again is just like overreacts right either paradise or hell yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's just like and he had all these his fucking bird changed its flight path and then got shot and there's also the two trees right yep um that the town has named Hagen and mattis and one of them because they're the what struck struck by by lightning. lightning 
and he's he becomes obsessed with figuring out who which one was it like which one does the town call mattis and which one do they call hey and of course like you know they don't no one has an individual name for the individual tree because they're they're normal they're not you know like mattis you know, like you can yeah. you can think about a, that situation, right? Where oh yeah, the two trees out by the weird cabin with the brother and the sister. Oh yeah, it's Matt. It's like Madison Haga, and yeah. no one, no one other than Mattis is like, well, which one is which, right? Yeah. Like, and then he has to stifle this this desire or this hope in himself that it's Haga that's got that got struck by lightning, right? So he's he is always struggling with like these, um. Which, in a way, she kind of does get struck by lightning in term and the the lightning by is, love the by lightning Cupid. is love yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was Cupid's arrow exactly yeah yeah um but he yeah. only sees these things as yeah it it's it's just it's just good or it's just all good or all bad um and and that's just kind of where he where he can't deal with anything almost it's like he's either in a good mood or the world is falling around his ears and uh it's not sustainable it's clearly not sustainable he can't do anything but then again my i think he must have been okay with it for most of his life though right that's why i think like the he he is perfectly he wants it to stay like that forever yeah, he does can he deal with like because... minor hiccups and stuff, but I don't think he does want it to stay together, stay like that forever because he like he wants to change. Like he sees the woodcock and he wants to, he like desires to be like more than he is and he attempts to. He thinks he can like he goes to the turnip <laughs> field and like really thinks he can keep up with them in the in the beginning moments, but then he ends up not being able to. Uh, yeah, I mean I think again it's this interesting like tension that that Matt was kind of talking about earlier between like I mean, obviously there are things that like he doesn't want he doesn't want to be like a social outcast, right? He doesn't want to be viewed as simple Simon by the the townsfolk. He wants right? respect. But but he also and he wants to fuck. Yeah. He wants, he wants to, to smash fuck. Anna and Inger. <laughs> yeah. Um but but also I don't think he wants to change like the the disconnect for him is that like he thinks those things can change without other things changing right like it's the, yeah yeah his orientation towards change is is stunted like he wants everything to be the same with him and Haga, with everything else being different which is just not pop like that's where it's like not possible it's not possible it's not possible <laughs> impossible is nothing well Ni- nike true. uh and that's where I feel like there is a sort of that's where because he is fighting a dark streak. Like I said, he was like quietly hoping Haga's the tree that got hit by lightning. He's and doesn't it cross his mind at one point to to kill her or to kill Jorgen? He he tries to kill Jorgen. He tries to kill Jorgen uh, under the auspices of eating a poison mu- of poison mushroom. He does a classic Viking very Adam and move, Eve. and he tries to eat the psilocybin mushroom or whatever and get superpowers go into berserker mode right uh yeah but he's so weak and jorgen is so strong and chad also strong cocked again (laughs) 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 but there is something to be read in uh mattis being deeply selfish like self-involved yeah like it's it's got to be all good good stuff for his own life and uh the chaos of anybody else kind of intruding or 
I mean, I, that. yeah. I mean, I think this also just like inevitably, like how we think about Mattis, I think just inevitably like uh, hinges on how we diagnose the severity of his mental illness. Like, like, you know, like, does it, does it make sense to call him selfish when mm. it's like beyond his capacity to be differently right it's like it's a class it's the classic dictum of moral philosophy it's like odd implies can right like it's it's sure. not it's not wrong if you couldn't be any any other way right like well yeah but yeah, I like you said it hinges the, uh, on what we think is wrong yeah but i think part of the like accessibility of the book is that like it's it's a relatable state of being to me to be in a state of like extremes where everything has to be perfect or everything is terrible and then yeah. desiring change while also wanting everything to stay the same. Like they're very yeah. relatable themes. Well, I think that's one of the things that Vesos does really, really adeptly again is like both capturing the, the it's like both the same and, and deeply different from how we experience the world. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, there are things that are deeply relatable and there are things that are deeply strange about Mattis's sort of orientation to, towards the world and, and other people. Which for me brought upon a lot of like insight. Um, what's the word? Paul's empathy. about to self-diagnose. No, just a lot of empathy, you know, to, you know, to yeah. read a story about this and relate to someone in this way and find like a lot of his thoughts strange, but also beautiful and tragic. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was eye-opening and wonderful. I agree. I, I think Vesos kind of like maybe through first of all giving a atypical mind and and sort of the view through it he's still able to somehow boil down like kind of truisms about humans state of being yeah and what a beautiful and incredibly endearing human thing to do would we say mattis has a beautiful mind (laughs) (laughs) he's not schizophrenic so no He's not doing math. <laughs> not even close. No, definitely not doing math. <laughs> Third math. Yeah. Third math. Um, How many eggs are in the math? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, bird yeah. in the hand is worth two in the bush. It would have been say. sad if like, the woodcock wasn't even a woodcock the whole time and it was just a totally different bird. He was just wrong about that. It was just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the the hunter that shot the bird was just like, oh, I finally got that dove, and he was just that was the moment where he's like, oh my god, it's a dove, not a woodcock. Well, he's interestingly like attuned to nature, but not really like a naturalist in any categorizing type of way. Like he right. doesn't know what a lot of stuff is or how. Well, there's a the whole thing. Well, with the mus- yeah, there's yeah. a whole thing with the mushrooms, right? Yeah, he doesn't like, know. He, he doesn't yeah. know it's poisonous, and he, he even goes. He even says like, oh, they're everywhere all around my house, but I've never even noticed them before. Yeah, right? he lacks uh, an ability until Jorgen tells specific. him about him. He doesn't really have a lot of specificity. 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 Yeah, that yeah. reminds me. I got to okay. shout out. I got to talk about um, Sean a little bit because I watched his video, and Sean, you say siblings in a very funny and strange way to me. Siblings. You say siblings. Yeah, and you say it a lot of times in your in your video, and it made me laugh. <laughs> siblings. Siblings. <laughs> Hard I didn't notice B. that. <laughs> you notice you say it with that? the hard B, and it's you know chill. Yeah, it's a soft. <laughs> it flows. We love you, Sean. Yeah, we yeah do. we do. Um, 
I had something I was going to say, but he totally distracted. Sorry. Um, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, fuck, what was it? I forget. We must be running out of time. Uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I lost track a bit because of the technical difficulties, but yeah. Um, he, I was just going to say, yeah, he's a, on the specificity thing. He's, he's, he's a, in corporate terms, he's a big picture guy. He's an ideas guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's not in, he's not yeah. in the details. Right. right? Um, yeah. 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 I think we'll probably, we can probably, well, we have to diagnose him, which we'll do in the Patreon segment, patreon.com slash spinecrackers. Uh, yeah, if you that's... like, if you like what we're doing here. Um, and uh, I have some, I have some, some other thoughts, but. You have an undiagnosed mental illness, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the DSM sorting hat comes back. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're yes, dude. One of our best fucking segments. Yeah, that was great. We got to clip uh, that. Clip it. Yeah, clip that. Yeah, book time. Um, Do it. Book time. So this is welcome to uh, we just read another book where we get to talk about uh, Harry Potter and uh, we sort the characters from the book we just read into their respective Harry Potter houses. Mm. Should be mm. this, is a, this is a small cast here that we have in this book. Really, only three characters, I would say. Yeah, uh, Mattis, Hega, and, and Jorgen. Uh, Anna and, In- and Inger are obviously Gryffindor Chad legends. Yes, of course. Um, yes, easy class. That goes without saying. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Hufflepuff across across the board. Easy clap. I have to go to the across the right board. Back. Yeah. All right. Well, go. Well, go. I have to be really bad. It's been about a half hour. Yeah, no go tinkle, pee. but we'll. Yeah, keep elaborating. But that's my that's my initial vote. Okay. I think that's dizzy. I think. Mm. Yeah, I don't even know if anyone. What would you say, Gabe? I mean, it's a philosophical question. What is the what is the sort what is the sorting? Hat? It sure so is. We were talking about we were talking about DSM sorting hat. Yeah, has the sorting hat ever sorted someone with a mental illness? I mean, presumably. Uh, I mean, statistically, it it's, has it's to have like right? thousands of times. Like Luna Lovegood is kind of out there. I don't know if she has a mental illness, but. Yeah, she could be uh, spectrumy for sure or something. She's kind of like she's kind of madisy. Yeah, but she's like she retains her good vibes no matter kind of what's going on. That's true. She's very like she's unflappable. Yeah, that's that's she's like a stoner nerd girl who like got so much tar build up in her brain from smoking up every day that she's kind of unflappable. That's true. Smart, Paul. We were just talking about whether or not Luna Lovegood had a mental illness. Uh, and because yeah, just a space cadet, yeah, yeah, a bit of a space cadet. I mean, I think maybe, maybe this borderline be... personality disorder, though. Maybe this <laughs> is gonna be queen. <laughs> <laughs> We've never seen her flip, but she does. Yeah, maybe yeah, this is uh, maybe this is controversial, but I think I think Mattis is Slytherin. Ooh, oh, maybe that's why? a hot take. Maybe it is a hot a fucking, take because maybe that's a it, fucking hot take. It flips my Garden of Eden characterization of him. Does it? No? They were very uh, I don't know. The whole point of the Garden of Eden was to just be hedonistic and do whatever you wanted. As long well, I'm as just you saying as the, long as you the didn't serpent. touch the tree. Yeah, Adam definitely had some slitherinity. 
<laughs> you like that word? Yeah. Well, I was I like saying, that. I was just saying literally the serpent. Sort oh, of... the snake is a Slytherin. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all I meant. <laughs> is, yeah, Satan is a Slytherin. Yeah, we can all agree sure. on that. Every yeah. snake is a Slytherin. You know, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to say it. Uh, the devil's the devil's a Slytherin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The devil's exactly. a lot like Voldemort. I know no one wants to hear it. <laughs> the Bible through the fucking Harry Potter lens. Now that would throw all the people. Now Christian, we're talking, dude. Christians protesting the books for yeah, a loop. Now we're fucking talking. Um, I I don't know. Like, uh, and again, it's like. I don't know what I don't know where else he would go. He's definitely got puff qualities. He's deeply yeah. loyal to Haga. Um, but is he, is he a Ravenclaw? Because he has, expresses a lot of curiosity. He is very curious, but also not. But also not curious enough to like know what mushrooms are. He's not inquisitive. I would like say. I said he's an ideas guy. He's big picture. Yeah. I'm gonna. Hmm. But do you but have make to, some do you have to be inquisitive to have a? Because, like I said, he's Slytherin because Ravenclaw-like imagination and wonder. He does that, have that. Are those part of the qualities of Ravenclaw? Is wonder? I don't know. I feel like they. We every time we talk about this, we just that like sounds morph, like it morphs more and changes. Well, they're, they're, it's because the, the houses are stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're incredibly limiting. Even the list in Pottermore is not enough to like. You know, but I think I think I I mean it's kind of like we talked about. It's he's black and white thinker, which to me mm-hmm. is not very Ravenclaw. Ravenclaws are subtle thinkers who right. see the nuance in the world. Uh, he, if things aren't going his way, he's very upset. Mm. Uh, which is Slytherin, mm. and he's a Slytherin Ravenclaw. Uh, uh, setting, not rising. I'm gonna go ahead and do the dichotomy. Slytherin. He's a Slytherin puff. Slith puff. He's a slith puff for sure. Half and just straight half and half. No, like uh, seventy thirty. Okay, Slytherin puff. So, so not really like an Arnold Palmer. So is Ra- is the is the not puff, an Arnold is Palmer? The, is the puff rising or setting? Setting, okay. correct? Yeah, setting. Well, this, I don't know. This is a tough one for me because he, I think we he can take we can take Gryffindor off the table. Gryffindor right? off the table, yeah, for sure. But there's things that like I, my initial thought was he's a Hufflepuff, but I'm thinking like, well, does he really have loyalty, or is he just like afraid to lose Haga? Right. Is that loyalty? I don't really think so. That's why I didn't say Puff. It's conditional, yeah. so it's not. And know? he's also trying to escape a lot of the simple. Uh, aspects of his life that I feel like Hufflepuffs, and he's are also kind very of craving. Cons- he's also very concerned about what other people think about him. He is, which is Slytherin. But I mean, I feel like he's lacking some Slytherin qualities too. Like, is he ambitious? Like, like, like does he have a like, mansion? Like he, like, he has a mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like not fair. <laughs> you said it, not me. He does lack ambition, <laughs> or his ambition is kind of to keep the status quo. But it's also, he does have a very nebulous ambition, right? Like, everything is going to change. Like, it's not like, I want this specific outcome. It's just like, 
things are different now, you know, like there's in the beginning, there's this like refrain where he's like, there's these three things that are going to change and they're never identified, of course. Right. Like, right. Um, but it's, it's this very nebulous conception of, of change and, and life going differently that he has. Well, he has that dream too, that dream that about having kisses and sex, doesn't he? Yeah. Perfect dream. Yeah. Yeah. Horny. I think he's a squib. Come on. Let's meet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Fine. Okay, sure. Haga. I think Haga's probably more of a Hufflepuff. I think Haga's Gryffindor. Pre- I think she's, yeah. Well, yeah. Why a Gryffindor? Puff. I think she's I think she's, she's overwhelmingly Puff, but I feel like there's you know another Gryffindor setting kind of I thing think going she's on. Like strong and brave for, um, you know, being there for Mattis. I mean, their parents died. I forget what the. I already yeah. There's this the story. We didn't was. talk about that, but there's trauma there. Like their mother died, yeah. I think, of some disease, and their father died in like a machinery accident, if I remember correctly. So she had to kind of step up like early. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was a mother figure she did. very early on, and she right. did, which is Griff. Yeah, yeah, that's Griff. I'm going Griff, or is that Hufflepuff because it's loyalty to family? And would it have been more Gryffindor to go out on her own? Nah, Griff Puff Rising. Okay, I'm just doing the I'm doing the reverse Huff Puff uh, Griff Rising. Okay, fine. I'm doing Huff Puff. <laughs> <laughs> no. Huff um, Puff Rising. <laughs> what about what about Jorgen? He's kind of a Slytherin Gryffindor. I would say Slytherin Gryffindor setting. Why Slytherin? Yeah. He's he's acquiring what he wants, and he, yeah. he insinuates himself. Quickly. He just goes out and gets what he wants, dude. He's just like, I will be staying at your house. Yeah, he and then I'm and then I'm, gonna, and then I'm gonna fuck you, and you're gonna fall in love with me. Yeah, he's like, mm-hmm. he takes advantage of a mentally enfeebled individual, and then and a like, traumatized this... woman. Yeah, he's like, yeah. is this your house? I'm gonna fuck your sister. <laughs> True, real. And you're my stepbrother now. Real. And we're, working, and we're cutting trees down. Uh, so I'd say he's a Slytherin, but he's got a kind of intrepid frontiersman confidence that feels kind of Gryffindor because he's, he's clearly made Haga happy and he's not like just completely malicious in any what kind of way he's, he's in some stunted way trying to kind of like aid in Mattis's development, but ultimately, yeah. uh, you know, it still twists back into his own comfort. Right, like it would be nice to get Mattis out. Yes, yeah. I think Slytherin Griff setting. Yes, I'm gonna say Hufflepuff Griff. Wow, yeah. I just don't really find his actions to be that at all, like incredibly deplorable. I think that no, I don't think anyone said they're deplorable, but they, but they're 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 you know but he's, he's self interested. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting his, his. self interested, but so is Haga, and like you know, they're. It seemed to me that he was probably like, no, Hannah is not self-interested. She, you, yeah, she jumps at like the first opportunity for real happiness she's ever had in her whole fucking life. But yeah, but that so, falls I mean, in her could, lap. You that, yeah. You could argue that he was doing the same thing though. Like maybe it just felt mm. right for both of them and they not, jumped at it. Feels different. She would have never, she would have never like sought anything out. Yeah. Feels diff. 
Yeah, but was it a woman's place to at that time? Well, <laughs> societal pressures. No, really, that's, that's a, yeah, I, and that's well, a decent question. I'm I have I'm going to talk about this in the Patreon segment. Okay. Okay. Table it. Table score it up. Score All right, it up. Score up. Dibs not first. Dibs not first. Oh, well, I owned Paul. Uh, I'm going to give it a 3.85. Okay. Why? All right. Uh, I don't know. I, re- I mean, uh, this is like a, a lot of people give this like a five stars, man. People love this fucking book. I know. My, my initial thought was like a four. I don't know why I'm giving it slightly lower. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I really, I really did enjoy this book a lot. Like I, I thought it like drew me in. I thought I felt like I knew the characters like in, like in a very beautiful way that I just feel like very connected with what I was reading and who these people were. Um, just the insight into Mattis's character and, you know, someone like that in the world was just like, it was fascinating. And I thought that the author did just an amazing job of like being able to connect with the reader and open you up to a a different sort of way of thinking and a different type of person that maybe isn't always the type of person that's going to be main character in a book, especially not in the fucking sixties. Yeah. In Norway, maybe 57 even. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having a tough time putting to words why I didn't score it higher. Um, maybe the, a little bit is the lack of like understanding of the birds. Maybe I just, maybe I did want more birds or just like it's maybe not, some yeah. real more clues to some sort of allegory that could be more understandable or something. Um, uh yeah. And I think I think I'll walk away like thinking about the book, but I uh for like a while to come, which is a good sign. Um yeah, I'm gonna give it a I'll give it a three point nine. There you go. I, I actually yeah, what were you saying, Matt? I know I'm just saying give it a nice two one decimal instead of the two. Yeah, yeah. That's I actually uh completely agree, Paul. Uh, oh, unir- wow. unironically i i agree about the bir- birds point like i i thought that there <laughs> were and maybe this is maybe there's just like layers of shit that we're missing with our with our our own being an american is its own variety of mental illness <laughs> I uh, say yes. um, so so maybe there's just like all kinds of shit that we're missing which is entirely plausible to me and sean please correct us um but like I, I felt like a lot of the metaphors and allegory or you know, like metaphors and kind of like meaningful things that were gonna be carried throughout the text were sort of like randomly dropped and not revisited in a way that that came together for me. Um, like the the like the woodcock dying is like I'm reading that section. I'm like, okay, this is like, this is going to be like, like the the thing. This is like really important. And I get like that Mattis imbues meaning into everything, but like that, I think, I think we can all agree that that was like that, that, that event got special treatment. Um, But then it's basically dropped after the first section. Maybe there's like one more reference to the eye under the stone or something in the rest of the book. Um, and and that kind of irked me. I was I just it felt like 
I thought there was going to be more to this. Um, and I do have an issue with the title of a book being like, like not really relating to the book. <laughs> That's an issue of mine. But like, here's the like, question. Is the title a red herring? It's a bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, 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 I guess I just, I felt like the, some of the, the, you know, metaphors and, and sort of meaningful events were going to crystallize in a way that was, that was more that hit. Uh, and, and, and not a lot of them did. I mean, what hit for me was the descriptions of Mattis's experience of the world, his isolation, his loneliness, his kind of like his own mental process. And and maybe what I'm complaining about is itself a manifestation of that. And I'm just like, uh, I'm so like, I'm just smooth brained. Um, and he just like jumps from one metaphor to the other. But it, I don't know, something about that missed for me uh, uh, with, with, you know, that first kind of inciting event of the bird and the bird dying. And then that doesn't doesn't really come up again. Um, and I, I have some other issues that I'll talk about uh, in the Patreon segment. Um, I'll I'll say here that I think I think Haga I think Haga's characterization at the end of the book is rushed and implausible, frankly. Um, but I'll just leave that there. I'll talk about that more. So I'll give I'm gonna give it. I'm I'm also gonna give it a three point nine exactly. Whoa. I wanted to, I wanted Whoa. to give it a four really bad, uh, but I don't know. I I really wow. didn't like it, and then I loved it, and then I didn't like it again that much. I mean, obviously four is still very good. Three point nine is still very good. It's yeah. great. It's beautiful writing. Excellent insight into this person's brain in a, in a really unique way, and their experience, and the ending is is heart wrenching, all that. But I, I had some issues, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just double up with Paul here, three point nine. Wow, I was not expecting a uh, in tandem scoring there. Yeah, me either. I th- yeah, based on rare, rare score, rare same score. I mean, again, you guys, you thought I was gonna really go did... lower? Yeah, I, yeah. I really mean, I kind, I don't know. I just like I like it. I like the symmetry, and it's rare that I agree with Paul. So, yeah, thank you. Got to embrace it. Yeah, true. Embrace the moment. I mean, yeah, you guys articulated a bunch of stuff that, like, again, kind of ditto <laughs> to be lazy. Um, Dodo, bird. Yeah. Sorry, th- that was the worst joke I ever made in the podcast. Um, <laughs> this is another book also, I think, that suffered from the fact that I heard people call it kind of perfect. Yeah, no shot. That's That's what? dizzy. That's dizzy. Sean's called it that. And Sean, you know, we love you. That's a dizzy take. Yeah. So I did go into it with ludicrous, almost, expectations about the, like, poetry of the language and the just the, you know, it. You called it, people called it perfect. Uh, I Matt, should, sorry, you might have to hustle up because I'm frozen again. Okay. Anyway, um, so again, did it what you guys were saying. I thought this book was very good. Um, I think there are... I think I, I I agree with Gabe. There are probably some valences and subtleties here that are just going to ping right off of our American brains. Um, and I'm giving this book a 3.7. Wow, nice. Mm. Okay, so we all pretty much agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, I almost gave it a three point six, but uh, I'm going three point seven. I think, I think I'm missing something. You know, uh, I don't think it, I actually. I want to resist that. I'm sure we are missing something, but I don't think that's the only reason that I didn't like it. I'll put it that way, or that I didn't think it was fucking perfect. Yeah, yeah. certainly not perfect. Yeah. A very solid read for me. Three point seven. Should right. be uh. Yeah, let's um call it, and we'll see you after the jump at the Patreon segment, patreon.com slash spinecrackers, uh, if you like the full episodes. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for listening. Yeah. I keep waiting thanks, everybody. I, I hope you enjoyed. Yeah, it's sort of... Yeah, uh, I, know, I know. I know. Sorry. Sorry. We're, we're like, on the, the last thing we're going to hear. Yeah. All right. We're on borrowed time, folks. We'll see you later. All right, bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Nice.